When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show, a place where you don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Live and direct right now on the TuneIn Radio app. Search End of Days and you'll find the 24-7 network. Go to michaeldeacon.com for any episode you might have missed. What if the government decided to invent a great lie to sell a disastrous war and a questionable anti-terrorism policy? What would happen to the assets who know the truth? My guest tonight is Susan Lindauer. She once was a U.S. intelligence asset. Susan covered anti-terrorism the Iraqi embassy in New York from 96 up to the invasion. Independent sources have confirmed that she gave advanced warning about the 9-11 attack. Shortly after requesting to testify before Congress about successful elements of pre-war intelligence, Susan became one of the first non-Arab Americans arrested on the Patriot Act as an Iraqi agent. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for another dose of the Michael Deacon program. Always an honor and pleasure to be here. Thank you to those listening here in America and those who listen outside of America. Thank you for your great support. In a moment, Susan will join us here. After the interview on the second half of the program, I've got emails to answer, some news to go over. I'll be reading all your questions here. I hope you stick around for that. Now, enough of that. Let's get down to brass tacks. Hey there. Oh, there you are. You beat me to it. How are you, Susan? I'm doing great tonight. How are you, Michael? I really can't complain. It's an honor and a pleasure to speak to you, really. I was, was going to cough right there. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's all right. We're in opposite Washingtons. We really are. We're far away from each other here. Far, far away. Well, I I, uh, I think it, this is an exciting time for our country, so... Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a great, it's a great pleasure to talk with you. Oh, clockwise, Susan. You got a very incredible story, I must say, and I'm so glad to have you here tonight and have you uh, tell that story to all of us out here because your story is very important and not many people know a single thing about it, Susan. Well, you know, I, I think that, um, I, I'm, I'm always surprised that that there are people who 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 how many people do know about it 
Um, and I, but, but I'm also, I'm also not a media hog. <laughs> so oh, I so understand. I, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's okay. It's all right. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm somebody who I, I was a, uh, a CIA asset, CIA and defense intelligence asset for many years. So I, I'm used to living in the shadows where most of what I know is considered ultra con, uh, confidential. And, and even your fraction of what I know would be, would be enough to blow up most congressional hearings because they couldn't the, the, the discrepancy because between the official stories of what they've been telling people versus what actually has happened there, there's just mega differences it's just it's 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 and and of course the corporate media they're some of the most um uneducated unlearned people and I, I I blame a lot of the think tanks in Washington for this, the Rand Corporation, the the Brookings Institute. I I had a, a funny experience. For those of you who don't know, I'll just jump right in. Go ahead. I I um did the Lockerbie negotiations with Libya, and I mean Libya's uh, senior ambassador and senior diplomats at the United Nations, and I also did the weapons inspections talks with the Iraqi ambassador and the uh, senior diplomats at the Iraqi embassy. So this was before the United Nations got involved. But one day while I was doing the Iraqi negotiations, I got a call from the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace. And they asked me to come down and do an interview with them. And I, went, I was just like, oh, well, thank you very much. I, I would be honored. Uh, I was a little bit surprised that they called me, but I was very um i was very very polite and very enthusiastic and and at the time the carnegie you could guess by the name the carnegie endowment for international peace it is a think tank but it's more uh, open to dialogue and diplomacy than a lot of these other places which are just you know they're regime change organizations is what they are so i went in and i had done all i had this incredible resume and i was like well, um, and so I went in and they said, well, we're thinking of hiring you for a media specialist. I said, a media specialist? Oh, well, that's very lovely. I wonder why you would do that. I said, do you know who I am? And they're like, what, who you are? Well, no. Well, I mean, you, you worked for a couple of members of Congress, right? And I said, well, that's true. I did. But do you know what I've been doing lately? And this is, you know, these are international people, supposedly. And I said, and I, you know, you know that I, I negotiated the Lockerbie trial with Libya. I said, oh, oh, oh my goodness. And they said, but Libya's guilty and they're, they, they're criminals. And I said, no, no, actually they're not. They, uh, that was a, uh, a, a CIA operation. And, uh, and I started to tell her how the real Lockerbie negotiations were done. Right. And she, which was that the, you know, the, we went in and we said, look, we know that Libya is innocent. We know that the families have been convinced emotionally that you are guilty and that we have to have the trial in order to run, in order to show the evidence and to persuade them that there's nothing there. There's no way this is ever going to end until they have their trial, but you will be acquitted because there's obviously, obviously you're not guilty. And the, <laughs> this, the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace 
who a moment earlier thought I was going to be this lowly little media specialist, was suddenly discovering that I actually knew more about these issues in the Middle East than she did. And I said, and you know, I've been doing Iraq. She said, Iraq? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm negotiating, I'm the one who's negotiating the return of the weapons inspectors. I've been dealing with, you know, these, and I was like going on about the different ambassadors. I said, do you know, and, and I, and she was like, just deer in the headlights. I was like, you don't know anything about what's really going on. It was just, but, but that's who you have to blame for all of this. We have these think tanks that are involved in group think, heavy group think. And they are very highly conformist. They are not engaged with real people, um, in, um, like diplomats, diplomatic circles. They might, they might occasionally meet the British ambassador, but they mostly are restricted to State Department briefings if they get that. And it's, it's, um, it's like a bubble. They live in a bubble. Susan, I, I must stop you there and, ask you how on earth did you even get interested into all of this oh my goodness it's quite extraordinary isn't it it really I, is i'm like a deer I, in a headlights <laughs> well well um th- there's some things that i cannot say understood yeah I, I i cannot say it all but i i i will tell you that because it's in my book my book is called extreme prejudice and I do reveal that I gave advance warning about the 1993 World Trade Center attack. The original, but I am not yes. allowed. I am. It is strictly off the books. I'm not allowed to say what it is that I did uh, for because it it is Libya and it is still um, it involves Libya and it would still be considered fodder for jihadists today. And anytime jihadists are potentially getting fired up about things that is not a nice thing you you don't you don't especially when you have my kind of credentials and my kind of background you don't try to ignite the jihadists that they're already fired up enough without getting any any help from me so i make a, have made a commitment that i'll never disclose what that was about under any circumstances and it still affects it today so i cannot tell you what i did but I can tell you that before the attack, I warned the Tun- I warned an embassy about it, and I told the embassy, a very small Arab embassy, that it was going to happen, <laughs> and who was going to do it and why they were going to do it, and it freaked everybody out because at that point I was completely unknown, N- completely unknown. To anybody. Right. I was not working with the agencies at all. So how I knew this scared everybody, um, a lot. And, uh, so we just keep that, you know, how I, the whole, that whole thing is, is confidential. But what happened was once I did it and then two days later, the World Trade Center got attacked and then the embassy that I had visited, contacted the FBI, and everybody was on my behind at that point. Everybody was on me, um, trying to, to, to come out, coming after me. And I was, you know, I had Egyptian intelligence and I had, uh, FBI intelligence. I had Israeli intelligence. I had, I had the CIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency. And 
after they vetted me and they discovered that, in fact, I was innocent of this whole thing, it was decided that I'd better have a handler that I had better not be wandering around Seriously. by myself. And by the way, Susan, going back from my understanding. Seriously, they right. were like, you cannot wander around DC. You are, you are, you are a magnet for these things. Oh, we I know. This. We cannot let you go mm. off by yourself. Seriously. And from my understanding, you even warned Colin Powell about this. Well, that was, that was, um, that was years later. That was, this was the 19, the first was the 1993 World Trade Center. Right. Right. And so, um, I was, uh, taken in by the Defense Intelligence Agency in 1993. I was introduced to my CIA handler, Dr. Richard Fuse, in 1994. And, um, I began c- communicating with Libya in 1995. Yes. Jumping ahead there. Sorry. 1996. Yeah. So, um, there, there, this was, uh, but, but the, but the conversation with the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, that was in, um, uh, 2002. That was 2002. It was after 9-11. And while I was doing the talks with the Iraqi government. So, I mean, I've had, Quite an extraordinary life. You I really guess. have. A very you, you lived a very dangerous life, I should say. Well, you know, it's it, now it's it's fairly quiet. It's, I hope it's fairly it's fairly quiet. I live in a, um, uh, you know, be, because of my old fight with the feds, which we'll go into. Um, I haven't been able to get work at a regular. You know, I, I'm considered. I'm. I. You know, you th- you think I'm. Whether you're liberal or whether you're conservative, people think I'm dangerous, politically dangerous. Well, you're, I would imagine you're kind of persona non grata in lots of places. Yeah. Well, you know, truth is persona non grata because what happens is they know that I was right. They know that they invented a story about me to lie. And then I'm a very inconvenient person because I, I, they needed me. And they still need me. And frankly, I still do some help. I mean, I have the, the capability to do help, to offer help and to provide assistance. And I do so willingly. Um, but they take it, they take my assistance, but then they're, they're afraid of me too. So, you know, they, they made up stories. They, you know, the, the Seattle newspapers were really bad to me. Um, there was the Seattle Weekly. For, who, who, that published a, a, a dreadful story for, I think from spy to psychotic or something like that. And, and it was just, it was just vicious and, and totally, but, but it was totally, it was fake news, pure fake news. But because of, of my notoriety, I had no right under the law to challenge them. So they could just make up anything they wanted. The New York Times also wrote some terribly. Oh yes, I, I was just going to mention that the New York Times went after you too. Wow, did they ever go after oh, me? Oh yes, and I was—I couldn't even believe it. I was like, I, "How can you invent stories like this about people?" But you—you you saw my papers. You saw what I did. You interviewed Paul Hoven and, and Richard Fuse. And, and here's the thing about the, the New York Times. Um, uh, the New York Times, um, oh, let's see. 
they I was arrested in March of 2004. Did you give what kind of introduction did you give about me? Did you explain about my arrest and everything? No, I didn't get into that. I, I wanted to talk to you about the arrest and how you spent some time there under the Patriot Act. I did mention that, however. Okay. Well, I I was uh I was the the C I guess I should back up a little bit. I was the CIA asset who covered Iraq and Libya at the United Nations. And in the course of doing that, I picked up Yemen, Egypt, Syria, Hezbollah, Malaysia, um, uh, several other countries. And I was dealing with all these countries on a constant basis. I had a marvelous time. I loved my life. I was very happy. I was not disenchanted. I was not disenchanted or, or, you know, I was, just, then nine, uh, and uh, we, we negotiated a comprehensive peace framework that would have ended the sanctions on Iraq. If the sanctions could be lifted, it would require these steps. So we we had done um, those included um, weapons inspections with no conditions. It included an FBI task force that would go to Iraq with permission to conduct terrorism investigations, interview witnesses, and make arrests. It included preferential contracts for U.S. corporations involving um, uh, in, in transportation, uh, hospital care, hospital equipment, health care, pharmaceuticals. Um, the Iraqis offered to buy, purchase one million American manufactured automobiles every year for 10 years, and stuff like that. Oil, no problems with any of these things. So technology, computer technology, um, telecommunications technology. The United States would have been a dominant force rebuilding Iraq and would have – the peace dividend for American corporations would have been through the, off the charts. It would have been off the charts. We would have been in a very strong position economically in dealing with Iraq after sanctions. The whole world would have been a different place. There would have been profits. Oil, same thing. Iraq was willing to guarantee uh, rights to new development after the sanctions and also to focus on U.S. corporations for rebuilding the pipelines and the pumping stations – which had been destroyed and degraded to the point of being useless by the years of, of sanctions and, and very low-level use. So it had all rotted out. It had to be reconstructed. Ironically, all of those things continue to be so degraded that the, that the oil is, 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 is not coming out of the ground um, the way it should be. Mosul has some oil coming out, but all through Iraq, there's a lot of de- degraded pipelines, and Iraq's oil is very, very much uh, underutilized. So it's it's a very sad, awful situation, totally avoidable. There was never any reason for this war to have occurred at all. But when I went to uh, – when I got the call from the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity, and I seized the opportunity – to explain about the peace offering and the, and she was just horrified. She was like, Oh my God, we would never want to support that. We, we would, we would, you know, unless there is, they, they, they really are living. And this is so important because people say, how can John Bolton 
get named as the national security advisor. How can, how can McMaster be the national security advisor? It's a very big deal that Trump has fired McMaster. And it's very, very big deal that, um, you know, the, that they, that the, the, the CIA is trying to dismantle the Trump administration. I think they're failing. I think that they have disgraced themselves again. You know, this is the same intelligence that gave us the Iraq war, the Libyan war, the Syrian war, Yemen, Iraq, Ukraine, Turkey, all, all of these mess, messes have come out of extremely poor quality intelligence gathering. And it's because it's all in a bubble. It's all this group think mentality and they have severely restricted access to sources. Yes. And, Do you, you think know, an open source type of government, government would be a way of a real solution here? Well, I think, I think that it's not even open source government. I think social media has better intelligence than the CIA. My goodness. That we're not living in good times if social media is oh, yeah. a lot more accurate. Let me give you an example. Let me give you a very specific example. Uh, last summer, the Syrian white helmets were involved in a so-called chemical weapons attack um, during at the start of the Trump. Trump had been in office for three or four months at this four or five months, maybe at that point. And it, I think it was June or July. And the White Helmets organized a, uh, a, uh, a chlorine gas attack, which they tried to attribute as sarin. And they staged a lot of deaths of, of, of phony deaths of children who were not actually dead. And though there, there were some people who did die, but they, they definitely exaggerated it. And they, sh- they, they would practice, the White Helmets were, no- are notorious for this. So, and they, but before the attack, they put out on social media, everybody get ready for this day. You'll know it's happening because you'll hear this, this stuff about chlorine gas and then everybody's got to jump on and, and they've got to, you know, so they actually distributed these messages, uh, through social media, through Twitter. And those of us who watch, the, the Arabic watchers, who watched these groups fanatically picked up on it. And then after, and they even named the date. They said, it's going to start on the, I, I'm going to say the 24th I'm, for the sake of this discussion. Understood. It, it, it's going to start June 24th and, and everybody get ready for June 24th. And then on June 24th, the attack came and it was, and it was all intended to try to inspire Trump to at the same time that the, the chemical weapons, so-called chemical weapons attack occurred, uh, the CIA and John McCain, good old John McCain. Everyone's friend. Everyone's, all, every terrorist friend, uh, were pushing this, that 150,000, you, get, get, wrap your head around that. 150,000 U.S. soldiers should be, should be sent into a Syria to take out Assad because of this dreadful chemical weapons attack. Oh my goodness. Well, it wasn't Assad who did it and it wasn't really uh sarin gas. It was chlorine gas which the rebels had used before and Trump called everyone's bluff 
by bombing a single airport and telling the Russians that he was going to do it beforehand. But of course, McCain and, you know, and, and all the, the, the McConnells and the, the never Trumpers united with the Democrats and they were going to try to force Trump out. And they really didn't understand that a lot of us, myself included, frankly, are very big Trump supporters because he's not an interventionist. He refuses to, uh, in, you know, to, to, to toe the line and, you know, rushing into World War Three. Um, he, he refuses to play this Russia, Russia game, uh, which is devastating. It was just stupidity. It's just breathtaking stupidity. Um, and he won't do it. And that's why they're attacking him with it. It's, it's just, but it's, it's, it's mindless how Democrats are latching on to this Russia malarkey, uh, and trying to pin Trump as the World War III aficionado. Um, I, 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 I can tell you that's never going to happen with him in office. But if we throw out Trump and if we ever have Democrats, I have no doubt the first thing we'll do is we'll start another war. They will just do it because that's the only thing they know how to do. They don't have any other sense of foreign policy. And so, you know, it's, it's not the neocons who did it alone. It's, it's the neoliberals. It's the Patty Murrays and the, uh, I guess Ron Wyden voted against it, but it's the Diane Feinsteins and, you know, the, the Claire McCaskills and all of these people who you know, they, they're very, they, there really are very few people who are willing to stand up and say, we don't want wars. They're just too profitable. And the districts that they're coming from, they need the weapons. They want those weapons purchases. So actually, in, in many respects, I hate to say it, but Trump is smart because he's, he's giving the military what they want without requiring them to go to war to get it. He's like, look, if you want to have a, if you want to have a $700 billion, God help us. I mean, seriously, seriously, $720 billion in military spending. That is absurd. There's no way that we, we already have more military spending than the other, tw the next 29 countries. You know, we have, we, there are more, we spend more on the military than any other country, if you, even it's if you absurd. add up the whole continent of Europe, I'm wondering spend, where we. I'm wondering where we get this money from. Oh my God! I thought we were in crazy. debt. Oh yeah. Oh, I know. Totally, totally, we are. Totally. But Obama did it too. Everybody's been doing it, and now Trump is like, "Look, I'll give you the weapons, and you don't even have to go to war for it." <laughs> and I have to say. That if you're going to have to pay for the military, this is a better way to do it. <laughs> Seriously. Because it just makes me sick when we go and destroy these countries. And the military's got to have new weapons for the new war. we got to have war, yes. That's how they justify it. There's too much it. profit. Oh, God. It's sickening. It's pretty awful. I mean, this country already has kind of been stolen from us by corporations and big pharma. Yes. Uh, there's a few others, but that's part of the conundrum. Oh, yeah. Oh yes. Oh yes. Uh, there's, you know, there's, there's the, the GMOs, the, uh, uh, the Monsantos, you know, the, 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 I, 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 I hate to think what, what we're, what we're doing. In my school district, they say that 50%, I live in, in Maryland. 
uh, in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. And there's some estimates that 50% of the students, of elementary school students, are now on drugs. 50% for ADHD and Adderall. or We love our drugs here in America, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they're feeding them to like six year olds. They're so desperate for oh, profits. Oh, yes. It's awful. Big pharma profits. I mean, they're putting these, you know, Prozac into these little children. God, it's, it's appalling. You know, it's, 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 or I don't know what kind of drive would never, but I, but they're desperately looking for market share. And it's like, it's okay. It's medication, but it's, we got to have the profits. I'm like, I'm not putting drugs in my body. I'm not going to do that for you, but I had a I had a big fight over that because they were just so desperate for for it's just greed and uh I I tell you the the the, the best place to to get drugs is prison because you can get everything you get everything there everything yeah. and it's all legal you know they'll give you antidepressants and they'll give you antipsychotics and they'll give you um methadone and morphine and you know, whatever kind of drug you want, you can get it if you're in prison. No question. Yes. In fact, they'll, they'll make it an obligation because they want the – it's the, the federal government's a captive market. And speaking of, of prison and all of that, let's get, uh, let's get into your arrest. What went through your head when you first got that knock at the door? Well, it was, it was amazing because oh – I, it was, it was one year after the invasion of Iraq and I had done everything right. I was one of the very few people, the very few intelligence assets who had told them not to go to war. And I had, my cousin was, uh, now this is an apology, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> <laughs> my cousin was the chief of staff to George Bush and Colin Powell lived right next door to my CIA handler, Dr. Richard Fuse. So I had given papers to my cousin, the chief of staff of President Bush, and to the secretary of state, Colin Powell, outlining the peace initiative and the the comprehensive peace framework, which would have resolved all the conflict, terrorism, weapons inspections, um, contracts for American corporations after sanctions, Oil, every possibility that you could possibly want. Um, every demand that, like, that John McCain and Dick Cheney made after 9-11 saying, oh, the Iraqis must allow the FBI to interview the diplomat Al and I, uh, who had met Mohammed Atta in Prague. Well, the Iraqis agreed to that immediately. The same day, the first day, the first day, that John McCain went on Meet the Press and said, we want to, we, we demand to do this. I had a, a meeting at the Iraqi embassy the same day. And so the, the, John McCain made his demand at like, oh, I don't know, 10 o'clock in the morning, DC time. And by three o'clock in the afternoon, we had a total consent to do it. And I went right back to Washington. I said, they've agreed. You can send the FBI. <laughs> oh my. And it was like, did they do it? No, no, they didn't want to send the FBI. That would defeat the purpose. So I had got everything right. And I had request, um, uh, the, the invasion, of course, is March 2003. And in March of 2004, 
by now the war is going badly. By now people are saying, ooh, this, you know, this 100 day war that, or not, or 40 day war, whatever, 30 day war, this is not a fast war. Ouch. <laughs> this is not, this is not what you, you promised us. They're fighting back. Why are they fighting back against us? You know, crazy, crazy stuff. And so, uh, President Bush announced that he was going to appoint a blue ribbon presidential commission to investigate Iraqi pre-war intelligence. And he had also already appointed uh, a, a commission to investigate 9-11. Okay. And so I approached, I did the proper thing through proper channels. I went to, um, uh, I contacted John McCain's office and Trent Lott's office because that's what you're supposed to do. Why did I go to those? That's where you're supposed to go. If if you want to speak on Capitol Hill, you go to the people who are running the commission and you say, I have testimony. I want to give my testimony. So I expected that they would be very excited to hear from me. <laughs> and they were. And they promptly ran down to a grand jury <laughs> and demanded that I should be indicted so that I could be silenced and shut up. They were so terrified oh, no. that all of my intelligence was going to come out. Colin Powell was a was a gross coward. I had gone to him twice before his big speech at the United Nations and warned him, you in, warned explicit, him. Yeah. in explicit terms that the Iraqi exiles were notorious liars. They were fabricating intelligence. They were completely unreliable and untrustworthy. They had no supporters. The Iraqi exiles had no supporters back home in Iraq. And so they needed the United States soldiers, the military, to come and force the Iraqi people to vote for them, to support them at gunpoint. They could otherwise, they could never, never come to power in their own right. On their own, because the people hated them. They, they had supported sanctions for years. They'd killed, you know, two million human beings. And that's the other thing is that people, you know, the, the West and the Western media try to downplay how many people, how many Iraqis died under sanctions. It was about 2.2 million. My goodness. Okay. One million. That's a lot of bodies. Yeah. One million children died under the age of five. By the five way, and under one million. By the way, Susan, I, I hate to interrupt you, but I, I believe there's a call. Are you comfortable taking a call? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yes, just hold that thought. We were getting into a really good discussion, but okay. let, let's take a quick call here and see what the caller has to say. Uh, caller, did you have a question? Caller. Well, I guess we lost the caller there. Never mind. Let, let's continue <laughs> forth. Yes, he he opted to stay quiet. Never a good choice here. Okay, okay. Well, um, anyway, so 30 days after I requested to testify, uh, I knew that they'd be all excited about me, and I expected to get served a subpoena and receive a notice that I should come and deliver my testimony to Congress. And I, at that point, I was worried that they would force me to do it behind closed doors. And that I would not be allowed to deliver my testimony for the whole community to hear. And I wanted, and I was very worried about that. So I thought, you know, I've done something. I hope I've done the right thing by asking to testify because they're, you know, if they try to silence me, what will I do? 
So, you know, I, I, uh, but <laughs> with the way they, but I, it never occurred to me that they were going to do what they did. And that was that they had me arrested as an Iraqi agent. My goodness. Not as a spy, because they couldn't possibly say that I was guilty of espionage. But they accused me of being an unregistered Iraqi agent. Right. I read and, that. And they, and Ahmed Shalabi's people, who are notorious forgers, who had faked out a lot of other intelligence, you know, very stupid things like uh, about Iraqi weapons development, they attacked me and they actually put together a few very small few very small dossier a few receipts in my handwriting but it was my handwriting and so the devil is in the details they got their details wrong they got the name i would have gone into court and fought to say look this is not the name of the diplomat he and, and a biggie was that the diplomat that they were saying gave me money had left the country. So he was not in the United States at all. He had left the country in March and he was, they were alleging that I had received money from him in December. Right. Nine months after he leaves the United States. But the other thing is the amount of money that they were accusing me of receiving was a hundred dollars. Ooh. One hundred dollars. The big bucks. The big bucks. And it was for train fare. Well, I used to drive my car to New York. So I didn't take the, I didn't really take the train. I, I didn't like the train. The train was slow and I could, I could be in my car listening to the radio and be there faster and, and I, I just liked it better. I just, I liked getting out in my car and driving. And so I would do that. And I didn't, you know, so, so I didn't even take the train I to, to New York. I would drive to New York. So it, the whole thing was just, was kind of a, was a, was a scam. It was just, but it would have been very easy for me to prove that it was wrong. And it was, and it was just, it was just such a, a silly thing to attack someone for receiving $100. And by this time, you know, by the time you get to a trial, they all know the answers. That's very true. The thing. They they all know it. So you know, be, it's not like there's any surprises on on trial date. Everybody knows what the arguments are going to be. And my argument was the guy wasn't in the United States. So how did he give me a hundred dollars? Did he come to? You know, we have NORAD, and I actually said this to the judge. Uh, I I really did say this in court. Um, that that NORAD was capable of tracking Santa Claus from the North Pole, and NORAD would report to school children across America and across the world where Santa Claus was as he was coming to deliver with his sleigh full of eight tiny reindeer and all those Christmas presents. How is it that they that that NORAD, if NORAD could track Santa Claus, how could they not track a magic carpet? Flying out of Baghdad over the Middle East, over the Atlantic Ocean into New York City. How could they have, how could that have escaped their radar? And the judge was like, you've got to be kidding. I said, oh yes, we're going to use this argument in court. And the judge just put his head, it was Mukasey, and he just put his head down. I was like, oh God. I wish we had footage of that. Oh yeah, well Mukasey was like, it was, 
It was, I said, absolutely, we're going to use this argument. He said, do you have anything else to say? I said, I said, oh, I want the jury to explain it. And, and I, and I said, I will demand that the jury explain that to me. I don't blame you. It was just, it was so absurd. It is. It was just, and you're talking about a hundred dollars. And I was like, you know, if he's going to come over, and the other thing I said was, if you're going to have eight tiny rings, if you're going to have a magic carpet come from Baghdad, why don't you have him give me a ten thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars? Why would I ask for a hundred dollars? Right. My goodness. (laughs) If you're going to have the trouble of a magic carpet, why not have a hundred thousand dollars? A hundred thousand dollars I could use. <laughs> but a hundred bucks? Give me a break. Why would I bother? Why would I bother with this? So the judge was like very un the, the judge everybody knew that this was just this was just like Mukasey said, I don't think the federal government ever wants to bring this case to trial. But what they didn't, they, they didn't want to bring the case to trial. What they wanted to do was to shut me up. And so they used the indictment as a gag. And they also, you know, they accused me of, tre- it was essentially accusing me of treason. Treason, right. Treason. Treason, for heaven's sakes. And then accusing me of incompetence. But I was the one who gave advance warning about 9-11. I was the one who negotiated the weapons inspections, which went off beautifully. You know, I did all kinds of things that, that really worked very nicely. So, you know, that, that worked, that, that I, I, I was, I would have been the saving grace if we'd been able to avoid the wars. A lot of lives would have been saved to avoid that a war. A lot of, a lot of lives would have been saved. A lot of and people died. It would have been profits. Uh, lots of young men died that lived in the city going over there. Yes. I knew quite a few. Oh, just crazy. Oh yeah. Just, it was, it it's was, a, it was a, a pernicious war that could, I mean, what we did to the Iraqi people is, is just, is uh, hideous, is horrendous. We did lots of awful things to them in their own country and of course at uh, Abu Ghraib. Oh God. Thank God you weren't sent there. Oh. Imagine if you actually had to spend time oh, there, Susan. God. You lucked out. I did. Holy I, shit. I really Seriously. did. I mean, the things that we have done have degraded the United States forevermore as, as a superpower. We have just, you know, the whole war was, you know, the, the world, our, our status in the world, that they're, they're quite eager to throw us off now. Um, and, some people would like to think that Obama or Hillary would have been different, but Obama was already a beta, uh, I'm gonna use the word beta president. Trump is an alpha president, and you can see the world does not like that at all. They're no longer willing to tolerate a powerful force in the White House. They're, they're persnickety, they're tearing us down, but a beta president like Obama, um, He's, you know, he handed away, he, he gave away the keys to the temple, I think. So, I'm not he, a big fan of his foreign policy, started, are you? <laughs> the wars he started were hideous. Just, again, all for profiteering, also the military industrial complex could, you know, could keep their budget flowing and their profits flowing. And it's just, it's just obscene. I really think, you know, that Trump has 
I, 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 I agree with you. 720 billion is just, <laughs> wow. Oh man. For nothing. For nothing. But, uh, but it's better to have money in the Pentagon budget without the wars. I, I just, I just believe that. I, I really do. I, you know, if we have to spend the money for the military, just keep them home. <laughs> okay. No deployments. <laughs> and I think that's kind of what, what Trump is thinking. He'll have a strong military, peace through strength, but he's not, he's cut off the funding to Syria. I don't know if you, if you, if you heard about that, but he's cut off the funding to Syria. Um, I'm very, very excited. He said, we'll let other people, we'll let other countries deal with that. And you've got the John McCain, Hillary Clinton crowd. For all of you out there who think that, you know, that, that Russia interfered with the elections, you, no, they didn't. <laughs> everybody interferes with the elections. What the Russians did was just what everybody else does. The the British interfere. The Germans interfere. The Australians interfere. The French interfere. Everybody wants to influence what happens in America politics. No, oh, of course. And Russia yes. and China are the same as everywhere else. Some little countries like Vietnam are too small. To, to have an impact. Mexico tries to interfere with our elections. You know, they, they, but, and, and, you know, yes, Mueller arrested 13. They must, 13 individuals. You know, they must be superhuman. If, oh, if, listen, guys, truly, if it was enough for 13 individuals to change the outcome of the election, <laughs> they would be hired by the Democrat party. <laughs> It just, it just doesn't, it's just, they are our force that we're a force of power that is just a, an, a, an army of, of people across America who are, you know, who, who are, are demanding change. And I, and I think that, that I, I, I just, I just don't think that the Democrats have this, this crazy notion that Russia did it is just, is a lunatic idea. It really is. It's, it's total lunacy. Yes, we're seeing all sorts of issues in and out of headlines, and of course, we could we could get into that. But one thing I did want to ask you, however, was your opinion on other whistleblowers like Edward Snowden and Julian Assange, and of course, um, a reality winner, another young whistleblower. Ooh, she's horrible. You think she's terrible? Yes, I I love Julian Assange. I love um, uh, Edward Snowden. I think reality winner is not is not what she's pretending to be. I think she was motivated by hate. Uh-oh. Uh, I think there's question that she might have done some of this hacking herself. There, in Georgia, there's something very interesting that happened in Georgia particularly. Georgia was one of the states, was one of the very few states that reported hacking prior to the election. And they were alarmed that they were getting hacked like 16, I think it's 16 times. And the hack was coming from, they did a trace. They actually did a security check because they were very worried about it. And it turned out the hack was coming from the Georgia office of the Department of Homeland Security. And so they were like, whoa, the Homeland Security office where reality winner is, okay? The Homeland Security office where it just so happens reality winner works is hacking into us. What's up with that? Yeah, that's so not good. I think 
that that there's more to the reality winner story and i think that she's she saw herself even by using this name this fake name you know that's not even her name it's a strange name to have yes it's it's not her real name so she even adopted a fake name so that she would be known by that thinking that she would get out of trouble and that she would have be out on bail and that she would be a hero and lionized and instead somebody has i think they set her up and then they they encouraged her you know somebody somebody threw her to the wolves and it was predictable that they would do it and the democrats have you know have not the, the democrats are just you know the, the, there's just such ugliness in the democrat party right now I don't think that I, – I, I realize that you're out in Seattle, and you may think that the Democrats are doing very well. I'm in California, actually. Oh, you're in California. Right. Where are you in California? I am in a little town called El Centro, California. And by the way, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I have no political affiliation with, with any side. I – I like to uh, take shots at everyone here on the show. Yeah, there you go. It's a lot there more fun go. that way. Yeah, well, I I I tend to to think that the Democrats are real crooks now. I, well, it's out there on WikiLeaks. <laughs> I mean, you know, their trail is out there. It's very well known. Uh, lots of hideous things came out through uh, WikiLeaks. And by the way, Susan, yes. I think the caller is back. I think they mustered enough strength uh, to talk yeah, this let's, time. Let's do it. Let's do L- it. Let's, let's see if the caller is alive. Caller, are you there or did you die? Uh, well, you know, I think lots of our callers are, uh, they're a little under the weather. It's a nice thing to say. So hey never mind. There. If, if you have a question, I'm willing to, I'm happy to talk to you. Yes. Well, that, that person has been calling in and not saying a word when they call in. So we'll, we'll have to let them go. And I apologize for stopping the flow no, once again. Right. But, but yes, the Democrats have colored themselves in a very terrible light. I must admit. Yeah, I, I, I just, I mean, the whole thing, the whole thing about, uh, and I don't think that they, yeah, I, I realize that they feel, especially out there in California land, I mean, you, you, there, there's this, there, there's, they, there's a talk about a blue wave, but I can tell you that the, the red wave is a lot of, like, I, I was a lifelong Democrat until the Trump election, and I'll never vote Democrat again. I'm so horrified by, what they're doing right now. Trump was um, once a Democrat himself and paid lots of money to the Clintons, if you recall. Yeah. But then he, again, he, he's actually, he paid money everywhere, lots though. lots of money to Kirsten Gillibrand and yeah. Chuck Schumer. He and, gave money to everyone. You know, all these people who are now attacking him. Uh, he, he's, he, is a, he is a centrist Republican, I think. He's, he's conservative on taxes and, and uh, I think, budget issues and immigration. But he's not a a hard right wing conservative by any stretch of the imagination. I think he's, I think that he's actually doing a pretty good job considering the, that he's being savagely, brutally attacked for the most crazy things. Um, like I, I, I think it's funny, uh, Charles Barkley, uh, the, the NBA basketball. Charles Barkley, right. Yeah. What'd he do? He came, well, he came out and it, he was on CNN. And he said, how come Trump keeps talking about this stormy 
Ah, Stormy Daniels, yes. Stormy Daniels. And Stephanie why is Clifford. Trump talking about the Russian issue? And that's such a huge distraction. Why can't we talk about the real issues? Why does Trump keep going off? And it's like, hello, it's not the Demo- it's not the Republicans who are doing that. It's the stupid Democrats. And they're afraid of the exposure of their own issues. Because WikiLeaks, which is an Australian Julian Assange is from Australia, right. Russia, mm-hmm. and he's not a, you know, and, and WikiLeaks is a globalist, uh, a globalist network of, of hacktivists, and they gave us accurate intelligence about what Hillary Clinton had done. Her pay to play scams, you know, trading for favorable foreign policy decisions for private cash donations. That is something that should be, uh, should be looked at. Um, and what happened with the with the the Democrats and the I I don't know if they really even understand yet what they've done, but the whole Russia nonsense malarkey um, and Robert Mueller malarkey has been has has helped to expose the massive corruption at DOJ um, the, at the top level of G- DOJ the abuse of judicial authority for prosecutions for FISA surveillance. Um, you know, all the invasion of privacy, targeting individuals that the, 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 the Christopher Steele dossier is loaded with falsehoods. And let me give you some very specific examples. Um, they, one, one big issue in the Christopher Steele dossier was they claimed that Russian hackers had hacked into the DNC. Well, it tur- they named people. Turns out the people that the Russian, the Clinton, the, the Christopher Steele dossier named, uh, named specific Russian hackers who he attributed this, these actions to. Well, it turns out they're in prison. Okay. They're in prison and have been for years back to like 2012, 2013. So they are in, in a places where they have no computers. No telephones. This is not a, a, this is a gulag. These are gulag prisons. They don't have any capability to interact with the world outside on the internet. That's impossible. So this was one bit of bad intelligence. The second bit of bad intelligence was about Guccifer. Guccifer is a Ukrainian and Serbian Romanian outfit. They hate Russia, just like they hate Washington. And they, they are anti-state hacktivists. There are six of them. Not one of them are Russian. Not one. Not even one. So this whole game that Russia hacked the DNC is a complete lie. Um, Guccifer may have done it, but they're Ukrainian. So what are you going to say? Uh, and besides that, the, we all know now, thanks, again, thanks to the Democrats' hysteria, we had to get to the bottom of it, and so the rest of us got to the bottom of it, and that is the Seth Rich murder, who is a real hero to America, and he was very upset that Hillary Clinton was feeding bad poll information to bad uh, precinct information about vo- voting sites um, to Bernie Sanders supporters so that they would go to the wrong precincts to cast their votes and go to the wrong locations. And she was deliberately confounding the election process and using the DNC to do it. 
And so he released this information, the DNC emails, to WikiLeaks. Well, now his parents are threatening lawsuits against Fox News and the oh, yes. invest, the 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 police investigator who and the hospital, anyone who exposes the real facts about the death of their son. The the Washington D.C. hospital where he was taken, the trauma unit where Seth Rich was taken, they have said that as soon as Seth Rich arrived, a whole bunch of suits from the FBI showed up, and the the medical doctors were denied access to Seth Rich. And when he when he coded, there was no call. There was no call for doctors to come when he was dying. And then when Seth Rich, when they finally got to his body, Seth Rich had all of his um, um, cardiac monitors, his his um, his breathing machine had been turned off, all of his incubation tubes and everything had been pulled out of his body. So he was not getting any fluids. He was not getting an IV. He was not getting any oxygen, like help, help. He'd just been shot for God's sakes. And apparently they interrogated him. They ripped out all of his tubing. So of course he died. Otherwise he would have lived. So I mean, you know, but, but the hospital has been threatened if they tell the truth. I mean, what kind of parents are these that they don't care who killed their son, but then they're surprised no one's going after the murderer? Well, you know, 20 years from now, they're going to look back on this. They're going to, and they're, they'll have no answers. And it's just, it's, it's just, uh, but the rest of us know. <laughs> Seth Rich's, uh, Seth Rich's brother also filed the lawsuit. Yeah. Recently yeah. here. It's crazy. It's crazy. But the Democrats are just, I mean, it's just, it, it blows my mind that there is anybody who could support them. Like in California, they're telling us that, all of you in California are huge Democrats. How could you support a party that is this? How could anyone, anybody, anywhere, California, Maryland, New York, how could anybody protect these people? California is a weird state, I must say. Why are it's, they doing that? It's so weird out here. Why would they do that? They've got to be stupid. I mean, it's just phenomenal stupidity. I've never been a big fan. Of those out here running California myself, but yes, I've noticed that uh, it's pretty wild out here in in all sorts of terms, politically and um, just fundamentally, actually true. We are kind of outrageous out here in California, but I mean, I I kind of like the chaos out here, I must admit. Mm. It's a very different point of view, I understand. But yeah, this place is very chaotic and... Um, we've kind of always carried that with us here in California. We kind of already know the rest of the country kind of hates us. Yeah, but I mean, but if they kind of do. Yeah, we do. We really do. I understand. And and, <laughs> and it's like there and and there's like you know, it's like a it's like a hot mess out there. I mean, Jerry Brown just pardoned five illegals. Who one of them was a God was a in a drive by shooting. Great God. I live in a border town, so I, I definitely am very aware of the real issues that are going on out here. Yeah. Lots we don't of drug like trafficking. I mean, and they think that we're going to talk, the rest of the country has to put up with this? We don't. We really don't. So, I mean, as California goes, the rest of the country is not following you. 
<laughs> oh, they're not. not. Oh, I understand completely. I already know the rest of the country will not follow in our footsteps in terms of politics and uh, other social issues. I'm quite aware of that. And yeah, you know, going. But I, I mm-hmm. think I think that 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 the whole notion there may be a blue, there might be a blue wave, but I don't think that it's nearly as powerful as. Uh, Will, will they take this? Will they take the House? I think that the Democrats are. I think that the the Republic. I I predict the Republicans in the Senate are going to pick up Florida, Massachusetts, where Elizabeth Warren is, Bill Nelson in Florida. They're going to pick up Missouri, Indiana, Montana, and that's five. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five. West Virginia. That's six. And then they're going to pick up two more seats between Wisconsin, Minnesota, um, Wisconsin, uh, Ohio, and Wisconsin, Ohio, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. I predict they'll pick up two more there. I don't think the I don't I think that the Democrats are really lousy, dead weight. Um, they're, they're incumbents that we're talking about. Just incumbents are dead weight and and not bright. They haven't done anything in years, and I think that the that the turmoil will throw them out. Now, will Pennsylvania go for the for the Democrats? Pennsylvania is traditionally a Democrat state, so I or at least we perceive it to be that way. So I you know I don't know. I I really don't know. I I think that the Democrats are going to lose probably six to seven Senate seats. And then we'll see what happens in the House. But I don't think that, I, I don't think that, that the Democrats are going to have nearly the, the force of, of, of justification. It's kind of like the delusion, the wild delusion that they're living under is just, it's just, it's crazy. It's like, it's just absolutely crazy. So. No, I'm with you on that. It is absolutely crazy. And uh, in today's times, we find ourselves in a bit of chaos. It really doesn't matter what political side you are on. Yeah. Just, just being alive in 2018 is insane. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it really is. We are yes. definitely in very strange times as a society and as as one. We all are. We all of us are, are one, essentially. And we're all experiencing all sorts of different things going on back and forth, trying to make sense of the chaos in front of us because life is chaos. It it truly is. And you have to really make sense of it. And Susan, um, speaking of which, going back to uh, 9-11 and all these things, I I forgot to mention there's plenty of 9-11 truther type groups out there. There's, for instance, architects and engineers for 9-11 truth. Um, are, Are you familiar with that group at all? Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with them. Yes. Any opinion on that group? Some people have taken shots at them for many years. Do you think that's that's a fair thing to do, or do you think uh, it's justified? Oh, I, I, well, I, I think that they're, I think they're right that 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 the um that it was a uh, controlled demolition. I don't know what types of bombs they used. Um, but they, we always thought that, you know, we, we anticipated the, the 9-11 attack, um, beforehand. Um, and we always foretold that it would be, it, that it would involve 
involve explosives. Also, you've heard of Rebecca Roth, correct? Yes, yes. Didn't you interview her at one time? Yes, I did interview her. You had a um, show, didn't you, Susan? I do have a show. Or you do yes. have a show, yeah. Yeah, I do have a show. Uh and and uh I I interviewed her and I thought it was it, her story is is fascinating. Um uh, that she Have you interviewed her? I haven't actually. And I got to say I think one of the primary uh reasons to me not interviewing her is because I've interviewed uh, Mr. James Fetzer a whole mess of times and I believe he is not on good terms with her. And some of her affiliates had told me she's probably not going to be on the show. Yeah, um, there was a bit of a clash between those two. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There is. Yeah, there is. Um, J- Jim is Jim's a good guy. Jim's a good guy. Yeah. He's got you know. Um, he's got his own point of view. That that's for he's sure. He's got his own. He's got his own point of view, but he's got a good. You know, he's a good guy. He's a oh, good yeah. guy. Rebecca like Roth. You know she. I, I think that the problem with Rebecca Roth is that she stole other people's research. And I'm not a fan of anybody doing that. I mean, I think that she, she took somebody else's research and she passed, passed it, it off her, as her own. Yeah. Own. We see so much of that in, in this sort of uh, field, whether it's um, talking about the paranormal or 9-11 or any of these things. Lots of people out there lift material and try to pass it as their own. And it, that's, that's awful. Yeah, well, you know, it's, 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 yeah, I, I think that, but, but 9-11 research is, is so, you, you got, you know, all, for all those people who really work at it and do it like steadily, devotedly, that's a lot of work. Oh yeah. To, to, to amass that kind of theory and proof and, and then for somebody else to just come along and say, and grab it and say, oh, look what I found out. And it's like, no way, you didn't find that out. This other guy did. So. Oh, yes. My yeah. goodness. I, I wasn't sure if you were aware of all of that. But Jim, he, he's got his enemies, right? Yeah, yeah, he does. I don't understand it, though. Everyone kind of takes shots at everyone. I kind of wish everyone just got along a little bit better. Yeah, I, I think I think that, that I think that, um yeah. Well, I'm, I'm guilty of doing the same thing, Susan, I must admit. However, it's all in fun. It comes from a loving place when I do it. Well, I, I, I think that, um, uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I think that, that Jim, uh, Jim is, is, has, has a very specific perspective on things. And I think that unfortunately, I think he had a fight with, Jim, with, uh, Jeff Rents a while ago. Oh, and yes. I think Jeff was right. I think that the problem is, is that Jim Fetzer applies the same philosophy, the same prototype to everything. Every problem is approached the same way. Yeah, and I, I agree. Think that that's, I think that that's, you know, he always says that nobody died. Yeah. And he always says, you know, it's, it's, you know, in Sandy Hook in Las, to say nobody died at Las Vegas is just too much. Yeah, I, I can't really agree with him a hundred percent on that one. Especially since I, I have had heard of multiple people being there, people that I've actually talked to. So, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's a little odd to hear him say that, but you know, he's, yeah. he's high strung a little bit. Yeah, that's right. He is. So, you know, he's, even he's a very good researcher. Too. Oh, no doubt. Not, not to discredit he's... him in, in any, in any way, shape or form. I respect him tremendously 
and we need people like him. Yeah. We really yes. do. We we need those ideas out there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so he's he's uh so Yes. Anyway, listen, listen, this is, for me, it's like, it's like almost 12.30 I know, it, now. it's late and I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just getting tired. It's okay, I understand. We, we did agree for a very short interview, so it, it's completely fine and justified here. I did have a couple more things to ask you, but we, we could hold off and do a part two of this discussion, Susan, no problem. Okay. Well, listen, thank you very much for having me tonight. Oh, I'm just honored to speak to you, and I've been looking forward to talking to you, and I'm, I'm finally glad I did. And go ahead and plug anything you'd like, Susan. Well, um, I uh, I have a, a GoFundMe page right now. Uh, as a whistleblower, I can tell you it is very hard to make ends meet, and I uh, have been fighting a battle with my mortgage company and fighting with the IRS, and now I'm I have just it's just my i have a gofundme called saving susan's house and if you if anybody wants to make a donation to that i would be very grateful i'm i'm so i'm i'm trying to trying to save my house right now oh so my goodness i i pre i i never stop with the drama i'm sorry and to I, hear in that my next life i want to in my next life i'm going to have a nice quiet peaceful life <laughs> <laughs> i really do hope so susan my goodness, you lived the life of danger. <laughs> yep, there you go. Uh, but my book is called Extreme Prejudice, and I hope that you will also, you guys will also check that out. Oh, I, I'm sure they will. Once again, thank you, uh, Susan, and I'll have you back on here again in the very near future. Excellent. Thank you very All right, much. Susan. Take care. Good night. Good night. And that was Susan Lindauer. Great guest. I enjoy talking to her. And when I return, part two is coming up. I'll be right back after a few songs here. Stay tuned. And welcome back to the program. How's everyone doing out there? I hope you're doing well. I'm all right. I promise. It's a good time to be around. It's a very good time to be around. I'm glad you are out there. Welcome back to the program, folks. Often imitated but never duplicated, as you know by now. Thank you for being here with me. 91 episodes in. Wow. That's really something else. Uh-oh. Can you guys in the chat room hear me? I'm having some issues hearing you guys. Had trouble hearing that other line on the mixer here. But if you want to call in that number, 760-332... 8724. One more time, 760-332-8724. Still looking at the chat room here. Can you guys hear me all right? No response yet. Just lots of weird faces on the chat room there. Nothing yet? Oh, okay, you guys can hear me, all right. Well, I'm about to open up a bottle here. I hope you don't mind. I hope you can hear that. I really do hope you can hear that. But that was the sound of me opening another beer here on the program. It's been a while since I've done this. I'm glad you could hear that. I've got some emails to go over here tonight. A little news. Once again, if you want to call in, that number is 760-332-8724 or on Skype. End of days, Mike, with the letter Y and not an I in Mike. 
I believe someone is calling in. Let's take that call. Hold on, caller. Let me reach over here. Caller, are you there? Caller. Uh-oh. All right, I know it's you calling in, Hello? Phoenix. Uh, can you hear me, Phoenix? Oh, no. He can't hear me, folks. This is not good. Oh, he hung up. There he goes. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I heard him just fine, and I do want to thank him very much for donating a few dollars. Yeah, I really do appreciate that. Always good to have those out there to donate a few dollars and support the live uh, stream here. That's always good. But yes, if you want to call in through Skype, that's end of days Mike with the letter Y and not I and Mike. And as I was saying, we got some emails to go over here, people to think, a little news, your phone calls if you want to call in. Let's start off with an email here before I forget. I received an email just the other day. And I haven't read it. I just kind of briefly went over the title here. And here we are again with another call. Hopefully this time it works. Caller, what's going on? Caller. Oh, boy. This is not good. Now he can't hear me, and there he goes and hangs up again. How fun. How fun indeed. Anyways, I only read the title of this one here, but have not read the whole email yet. And I have no idea what he wants to know, but I think I have a good clue here. He emails in with, hey, Michael, new listener. I've been listening to radio for a long time. I know you have too. What do you think about Don Imus retiring? What were your influences? Are you thinking of doing more shows? Thanks for reading this email. And this does come from Scott in Arizona. Very nice. Yeah. Now, I know I, I've said things about him for years. I don't hate him or anything. I mean, I don't hate him or, or anyone else for that matter. If I trash uh, someone most of the time, it's coming from a good place, as weird as that may sound to you. But I, I promise, it, it is coming from a good place if I ever give someone a little trash in here and there. I don't always intend to make it seem like I have a true vial in my heart for that person. That's not true. Now, with that said, sure, I've trashed him. I often said I could not comprehend a single word from him. I've said that he kind of stinks a little bit. I'll be honest, I've always respected his ability to somehow manage, uh, manage to hold on uh, to his career for as long as he did. I, I could respect his uh, perseverance. It's interesting that you do ask me that. I watched a recent interview on him, of all people, and you could obviously tell he loved doing radio. You really could tell. Obviously, since he's done it for so goddamn long. But yes, it wasn't until he was asked what he would miss uh, in this interview, I, I started to sort of relate to his answer. It was kind of weird. He had mentioned that he would miss his audience. He said how it was different talking uh, to say uh, to his wife, I believe. He said something along those lines or someone else. Um, he wasn't exactly sure why. I know what he means, however. And here we go with, with the same caller trying to call in. And I'm sure it's not going to work. Except this time I could hear him, but he can't hear me. Caller, what's going on? Yeah, I, I think I might have to give up on this call here. I don't think it's working. His phone might not be working, or it might be this mixer. Who really knows? However, back to the email here. Yes, I could kind of relate to his answer. He had mentioned that he would miss his audience. 
And I, I understand that. It is certainly different. I may not have an audience of the same magnitude of a Don Imus, but I've had uh, many talks with my audience on air and off air. Um, some of you might not even know this, uh, but sometimes people call me even when the show isn't on, and I'll answer when I can. <clears throat> took a big drink there. I know a lot of you out there can't listen to this live, but I know you're out there. I'll definitely miss this when I'm gone, too. Hell, I miss it when I'm away from it for a short time. Love doing this here. Oh, yeah. I really do. It's always fun to be here behind this microphone and, and talk to uh, you out there. But yes, on air and off air, people do call me and they call into the program and I'll talk to them forever, well, for forever long I can on the phone here. I'll answer wherever I'm at and we'll talk. I'll stay on the line there for you. But yes, I, I don't, I, I really didn't expect to talk to, uh, to you guys right now about this. But sometimes I got to put things out there that goddamn Imus was making me feel kind of sympathetic towards him. Wow. Making me think of the future. He had a legendary run in his own right. That's true. Now, this show hasn't been around too long. It's streaming online. It, it ended up on uh, terrestrial radio a couple times on a few local uh, stations, and that was fun. But it's never a permanent thing. You never know what's going to happen, where this show ends up. I don't know. Maybe it won't ever be heard on the long haul on radio. Who knows? The future of uh, the future of radio is quite unknown at this point. However, I, I do feel it is necessary for me to jump on this microphone whenever I can and talk to you out there. I'm sorry I went on a rant there. I hope the best for Imus. As far as influences go, however, uh, I believe I talked about this before. However, I'm aware plenty of newer listeners are out there. Um, let me think about that one for a second. One of the biggest influences, I have to say and and admit to you guys out there, in terms of creating my own show, um, it goes back to another show called Loveline. Um, those were fun times for me. Very fun times for me. I would be listening to that show while I should have been asleep. The callers were great. I, I remember that. It was a very good, lively conversation during that program. I've always wanted to do kind of a show like that. It's a very fun show. I know it's changed dramatically from what it once, uh, from what it, uh, once was. That's certainly true. I'm not really certain what's going on with Dr. Drew anymore or Adam Carolla. Who knows? Howard Stern was another. His guests really made that show shine. Stern will also go down as a legend. Of course, the Tom Likas show. A lot of people don't even realize he had came back for another run, but online. He will be going away. He will be going away soon. However, I believe this year, quite a shame. He's another legendary broadcaster, quite frankly, one of the last of his breed. That's just great entertainment. And of course, Coast to Coast AM, The Golden Years, another show that's lasted through time with uh, various people taking the wheel. Art Bell, yet another broadcast legend, in my opinion. <clears throat> I hope I answered your questions all right. Moving along here, I do want to thank Justin for his donation as well. I appreciate it. You're keeping the show alive. 
he also did send me a little message here. I'm not sure if he wanted me to read it, um, read it here or not, but I'm sure he won't mind. This comes from uh, Justin. Love the show, Mr. Deacon. I hope one day you start doing more shows each week. Always looking forward to the next episode. I'll try to get more shows aligned here. I definitely enjoy creating these shows for you and everyone else out there, too. Sometimes it's quite difficult getting people synced up here correctly due to time. Sometimes some people don't want to be on. You never really know. But thanks, Justin, for putting in and playing your role here to support the project. That's always good. Oh, yeah. It's always good. I must say, this reminded me of something. I I had no clue I was going to talk about this here. But it triggered me right when I said Stern. Now, this might sound crazy to all of you out there, but I, I think something along the lines like this might have happened. Well, for those who don't know, I was going to uh, interview Nicole Bass on this program. Do you remember her? Nicole Bass? Let that sink in. Nicole Bass. Do you remember her? I hope you do. But yes, I was going to interview her on this very program here. And I did talk to her before she died. I believe she died of a heart attack. Terrible. But she was a female bodybuilder and, of course, a professional wrestler. And she liked the show. She thought it was good. She was looking forward to being on, uh, being on and being a part of the program. And that was that was a good time talking to her. She was a lot different than you'd expect. And she had actually put it out there on Twitter that she was going to be on the show. But it never happened. She had told me something in a private message that was a little strange. I couldn't really understand what she meant by it. But she had said that the Howard Stern show was the only show she could be on now. I don't know what that means. I really don't know what that means. Did somebody get to her from Howard's staff and said that she was going to be on a show? I don't know. That's another conspiracy theory of mine here. I don't know what was going to happen, but it it does suck that I couldn't get her on here. It really does. I, I wanted nothing but have to have her on here and to talk about her life, and that's what we were going to do. It was going to be a good interview, and then that got stopped. I'm assuming it got stopped. I'm not quite sure if that happened, though. It is terrible, though. I'd hate for that to be the reason why I, I didn't get a chance to interview her. Terrible. But yes, uh, I... I I think I got another donation here by another listener. Oh, okay, yes, from Andy here. I like that, Andy. That's a good donation there. That's every cent counts. Good one. Good one. I do appreciate that. And, of course, this brings me to a story that was on the news here out of Chicago. Apparently, the Department of Public Health reported that 32 people in the past few weeks visited emergency rooms with severe bleeding after using a synthetic cannabinoid product. I believe that was Spice or K2 that these people were using. People have to stop using that synthetic pot. For the first time, I'm actually surprised that this story is not coming out of Florida. It's coming from Chicago. I don't know anyone who has ever used that sort of thing before. 
Apparently, anyone who uses these drugs and experiences unexplained uh, experiences unexplained bleeding or bruising is advised to call 911 or have someone take them to an emergency room. Well, that kind of goes without saying, don't you think? But yeah, synthetic pot. Who the hell is smoking that nowadays? Strange. Of course, we also have news that Flat Earth Rocket Man finally blasted off in his homemade rocket to prove the Earth is flat. Oh, Lord, we have one of these. Apparently, Mad Mike Hughes finally launched that rocket. After reaching 1,875 feet, the rocket successfully uh, deployed in its parachutes and uh, guided back down Earth. My goodness. 61 years old. There is a video of that mayhem, by the way. He took a pretty damn hard spill. He's lucky uh, he's still alive. I think it's uh, safe to include that guy in, into a celebrity death pool, even though he's not really a celebrity. But now he kind of is, right? You guys give him that pass? Is he a celebrity? Terrible. Terrible indeed. Hopefully next time he, he breaks his neck. Oh, I'm joking, of course. Did anyone uh, watch that uh, Laura Ingram? She recently lost some sponsors there. She tweeted about um, media darling David Hogg. She kind of trashed him there for not being accepted into college. I'm not exactly sure why she did that, though. I wouldn't have actually done that, as much as I uh, despise both uh, Laura Ingram and uh, David Hogg. It's kind of a shitty time when someone can offend you and then go after your sponsors and affect your livelihood. Apparently, uh, David listed top sponsors for Ingram's show on Twitter, and he went at them. David Hogg. It's kind of a real twat for that move. But of course, uh, Laura should know better. People have lost their goddamn minds. Of course, Laura went on and apologized. Yuck. Screw them both. And uh, before I wrap up here tonight, I do want to give a little recognition for our international listeners out there. Here are the top ten countries out there who tune in and listen on this live stream. Of course, the United States is always number one. Number two, kind of a shock, Germany. The Germans, they, they love this show. And, of course, number three is the U.K., four is Canada. Not very uh, surprised. However, Canada, they used to be number two, and now they dropped number four. I'm not sure why. Number five is uh, Pakistan. I think I have a good feeling who um, that is out there. Our men and women in uniform, probably. Of course, we have Afghanistan next. Same belief there. And, of course, it's Turkey is the next. That is very unusual. And, of course, uh, the next country is France, followed by unknown. Who really is unknown, though? But that's the stat I get, I, I get here. The last country is unknown. Strange. It really is strange. You know, it's very odd. I was getting some more emails here, but I'm going to hold off on that. I'm going to hold off on those emails and, and go over more when I return I do plan to bring on another guest, um, probably this week, Sophia Stewart. I think I'm going to try to bring her on a Tuesday evening for 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Yeah, I think I'll do that, and I hope you'll show up for that one. I enjoyed the second half. I thought it was necessary to talk a little bit here about a few things, and it, it was time to answer some more questions from people who have been wondering. And, of course, I want to thank you out there for listening, and I want to thank Ms. Susan Lindauer for being a part of the program. 
I'm thankful that some of you do care out there. That's nice. Thank you very much. I do love doing this program and talking to you out there wherever you are. Also, please remember, if you have any funny impersonations of myself or other listeners out there, please feel free to send those in. MichaelEndOfDays at gmail.com Or if you have any comments or concerns, questions, anything like that, MichaelEndOfDays at gmail.com like to hear those. Special thanks to William out there. He's someone who has been behind the scenes here. You won't really know him. He's really funded this program and continues to support it. For that, I really can't thank him enough. The only advertiser I ever had on here was from a local liquor store. Don't ask me why or how I pulled that one off. But I did. Oh, but I did. Very insane. But yes, wrapping up the program for those who are asking me on Twitter... You could also contact me that way, at Michael Deacon, for those who are afraid to call in or who can't call in during that time and want to ask a question or two. You're more than free to do that. But yes, once again, thank you folks for listening. And if you enjoy this program and want to help fund this project, go to michaeldeacon.com. This program, like I said before, completely depends on its listeners. That means you sitting there listening to this. Share this with your family or friends. Go to michaeldeacon.com and hit that donate button. Appreciate that very much. I'm Michael Deacon. Thank you for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. Like, you can just see it. It's clear. <laughs> appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Holden right now. It's crazy. I had no idea they should exist before 726. Oh, Granny. I like Granny. I'm a deep real. A lot of good content. A lot of, a lot of cool topics. You know, I, yeah, I feel, you know, fortunate to have an opportunity. Speaking of really, 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 you know, Yeah, Mr. Rusev. That's shit. I like that, man. It's the simplest shit. You go in there, you see the button, and then you say, just for what it's worth, I want to put in my two cents to tell you that I've been over that yet, but I was incredibly well-rounded, so... Introducing the greatest tag team on the radio. Guess what, motherfucker? You were you were a headline guy, I'm and still then a headline guy. You know what I mean? You, for a while you popped out. Now you're coming back. For I a while, back. for a while it's you were actually do, you, you know were running. I mean? You were running a gym. Tell us about that. Running a gym? Weren't you Why running you a gym at some point? Supposed to be a news guy. <laughs> That's our research. You aren't. You aren't. Ridiculous! I come on CNN, and the guy don't even know what he's talking about. Go ahead. You at no point were you running a gym? Um, no, no, running a gym. What? No, you, you need to work time out. Jesus fucking Christ with these guys. I come on the news for two seconds and, and you want to say, every All time right. I do an interview, a guy wants to open his fucking mouth. Can't All right, even Andrew, do a little thank you very much. We here. thought that you, you could know, hold back. Go fuck yourself, you know what? All I'm right. Fuck the whole fucking network. We'll go back to uh, talking about Art Carney.